Here's your host and co-author of Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story, Sharon Swing. Welcome, everyone. You're in for a treat today. Today, I have Lori Short with me. She is the author of a book I was immediately attracted to just from the title and then found out it was even better when I dug into it. When Changing Nothing Changes Everything, The Power of Reframing Your Life by Lori Pollich Short. And Lori is a speaker, author, and part of two teaching teams in California churches. She has spoken over to 500,000 people at conferences, colleges, churches, and around the country, and she's the co-founder of the She Grows Conference, and I'll hear about that later, a cross-generational women's conference to equip and promote mentoring relationships. So, Lori, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Sharon. It's great to be here. Awesome. So, I always ask my guests, first off, what is a time that comes to mind when God's presence was particularly tangible to you? Hmm. You know, I thought about that question that I just actually heard. <laughs> I was, I was, I always like to respond with the first thing that comes to my mind. Obviously, there have been many times throughout my life where God's presence has been extremely apparent with circumstances that are bigger than this. But I was just thinking last week how I was in a space where I really needed encouragement and um, just needed to hear from God. And and it was it's always interesting to me when your daily devotional directs you to the exact scripture that you need at that particular moment. And it happened to be on my iPhone, it happened to be the translation of the message, which was particularly uh, almost as if God was speaking directly to me. And uh, I always at that moment when that happens, and I'm sure many of the listeners have had this happen, I always want to chuckle. I think that God has a sense of humor. And when he's speaking to you, through his word or through another person, or even through something you see that it's just a moment of intimacy between you and God, because he knows everything about you and he knows exactly what you're struggling with or what you need from him. And when he provides that for you, it's just this moment between you that I think is quite beautiful. And so that just happened a couple of days ago. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Well, that's interesting. Was there, what, what was the particular verse? It was in Matthew 6, which actually happens to be in this book, um, uh, but not the message version. Um, It's the passage about not worrying. And it was in particular the way Eugene Peterson uh, translates it. Uh, You know, he says, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting that so that you can respond to God's giving. And it just goes on from there. But I just, I, you know, the relax kind of <laughs> jumped out at me and I thought, okay, Lord, you, you, you know exactly what I need right now. It makes me laugh at times how, how he kind of gets, I, I, I imagine him going, oh, Good. I thought she'd get that one. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> you she'd read that right now, and that's just what she needs, you know. So, yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. I'm glad she's paying attention. Yeah. So okay, so the title once again of this book is When Changing Nothing Changes Everything. 
the power of reframing your life. What define reframing for us? So reframing essentially means changing your focus over the exact same picture that you're viewing. It's it's really just looking at it from a different angle. And I propose in my book, of course, four different angles that I think are, they create together the multidimensional sphere where God is, is he, he sees so much more than we do. We are usually operating on one plane and what this book and this idea of reframing invites us to do is to maybe see something a different way so that we can uh, see God in it or see what God is doing and be encouraged in our journey when it looks like he's doing absolutely nothing and nothing's happening that we want to happen and our circumstances look quite quite grim. And of course, I have lots of illustrations and stories in the book that I think show that God is sometimes working in a way that might not be apparent at the time, but is definitely happening and powerful if we just take the time to observe uh, what it is he's, he might be up to. And so that's that's kind of the premise of the book. And of course, it's based uh, loosely around that scripture, uh, Matthew 6, 22, where Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And so this idea that the way we see, and of course, in that context, he's talking about temptation and what we focus on. But I think what he is saying, what Jesus is saying is how powerful our eyes are in leading us. Um, Because so often the way we see something affects the way we respond to something, which actually does have an impact in the way things turn out. So I think that's why it's so important for us to see everything there is to see. I love how you, how you shape the various different views or the different lenses that help us to do that. And we'll name those in a little bit, but in the introduction, you, you tell a little bit of a story about, about singleness and reframing. Can you give a little bit of a, the short story on those two views? Yes. Well, I was just, I, I was preaching on that passage in Philippians, which um, is about uh, being content in all circumstances. And I thought instead of just starting the obvious way, I, I got up on stage and I just uh, described my life. I was a single woman, had just come out of a broken engagement when I started working at this church. Um, and now in my, I think I was heading towards my late 40s at that time. And so I just said, you know, I woke up this morning, I was all alone and there's no husband, no kids. There's a for sale sign out front. I'm I'm renting, so I might not be able to stay in this place much longer. And dating at my age can be really challenging because everybody's got baggage. It's just a matter of choosing what kind of luggage you can live with. And, you know, working at a church can be painful because you see couples and children everywhere you look and, and you don't have that at home. And I just stopped and there was just this moment of silence. It was so beautiful. I wish I, I wish I had it on video. Everyone's just staring at me like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, we're at a pity party this morning. Yeah, was really? a pastor who was going, what in the world? 
And then I didn't say anything. I just started again, the exact same situation. I said, you know, I got up this morning and I had the place to myself. Um, it was quiet and I could do whatever I wanted and the for sale signs still there. So I know I'm going to be here another month and you know what, if it sells, maybe I'll find something even better. And dating at my age is so much better because people really know themselves more. And you also have a lot more grace for people because you recognize that life is complicated. And uh, I said, working at a church is such a gift because how wonderful it is to have a family where you work when you don't have one at home. And I'm telling you, Sharon, I could have stopped the sermon right there because it, it made a point without really, I was sort of using it as tongue in cheek illustration to get people interested in what I was going to talk about contentment. But I think they got it just, just from that, because I described the exact same situation two completely different ways. And, and both were true. That, that I think is the key. And I'm, I'm quick to say in the book, that's my opening, but I'm quick to say in the book that this isn't a book about just seeing the cup half full. There's a lot of books about optimism and I'm, I agree with optimism. I think if you can think positively, it's so much better, but really what this book is about is seeing things in a different way that are actually there. It's just that you're missing them. You're not looking at them. And so often that takes another look, another look at the same situation so that you can see it more with more hope and with more expectation of what God might be doing right now. Um, it doesn't look like he's doing anything. So I appreciate how succinctly you, you said it when you talked about the secret, because a lot of times the world um, tells us that you have the power to get what you want. Yes. Yes. And then, but yet there's a little bit different view on that when we look at scripture. Absolutely. Yes. Because sometimes what we want isn't what God wants for us. And frankly, Sharon, I think pretty much all of us can look back on our lives and think about times when we wanted something that now we say, gosh, I am so glad I didn't get that because my life would be so different if I had gotten what I wanted then. But I thought I wanted right. I mean, I've I've often told stories of I am so grateful for the no's. Oh, the prayers that were answered with a no. That's right. I mean, I I could go on, but I mean, I I was married before. I'm now I'm with Tom, and and we've been married for 26 years. So this was like ancient history. But I look back on how I prayed for my first marriage to be healed and put back together. And, mm-hmm. oh, I am so grateful for the no, he said. Mm-hmm. It, well, it, was, it was an amazing, it was an amazing thing to think that, that, that God might say no to that prayer. Mm-hmm. Well, I know, that, I know there's a lot of no's that don't feel good at the time. They definitely, you know, when you're sitting in the note for immediately, it, it does not, um, it feels like he's holding out, God's holding out or not listening or turning his back or maybe punishing or all of these things that we can feel when a prayer isn't being answered the way we'd like. And really only time shows us the wisdom that, um, that that prayer will end up being. And, and, and that's hard to do is to wait, wait that out. But I think what can help us is if we 
you know, that's kind of part of one of the lenses in my book, because we begin to trust God more, even when we're hearing what we don't want to hear. And to find ourselves in a situation where we start to maybe ask different kinds of questions. Yeah. Or pray different, different kinds of prayers. And I've told this story before on the podcast, but the short version of it is I visited um, a prison where under prison fellowship, they're using listen to my life materials. And I'm sitting knee to knee with two prisoners who are, uh, who've just come, who've completed the listen to my life process. And, um, but the facilitator has asked them to do the my life now map again. Now they're still all incarcerated, right? <laughs> and I and I thought to myself, even is this kind of cruel punishment, you know, to to do the my life now map again to see what's different? Because everybody's still here in prison, right? And but that lingering question that's on the on the first map. The, one of the ladies said, well, um, my first lingering question was, can I endure this? As in, can I endure this incarceration? And she said, you know, at the beginning of this process, I was kicking and screaming at the walls and I was just, I was on anti-anxiety medication, she said, which almost everybody here is. And um, I was absolutely miserable. And she said, but now, you know, I'm actually at peace. And I'm actually happy. And I think I might be happy for the first time in my life. Mm. And she said, my new lingering question is, how much good can I do today? Mm-hmm. That's right. I know. I was thinking when you asked that question, that even though their circumstances hadn't changed, they had possibly changed in their circumstances. Right. Um, so she well, had been transformed so profoundly. Yeah. Exactly. And I started to cry when she said that. And she said, oh, no, I made you cry. And I'm not supposed to actually say anything in the, according to the listening guidelines. And I, mm-hmm. and I said, only because that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And she says, really? Mm-hmm. Why? And I said, because I know a lot of people out there that aren't as free as you are in here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, there were things that shifted inside of me that day that needed to be shifted. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I loved your statement of we have the power to want what we have mm-hmm. or at yeah. least, at least see the blessing in it or the potential for blessing in it. Yeah. Well, I think we also see that illustrated in Paul when he was in prison. I think that's such a powerful part of his journey that, you know, I mean, most people would have said, well, I guess it's over for Paul. He's not out there encouraging churches that's been his ministry forever and I mean I I can just see him you know first of all saying um I know that what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel just with that confidence he's saying that that because other people are now speaking you know what I used to be speaking so he knew that that was happening but what he didn't know is when he just looked around and said well I'm going to write letters to keep encouraging the churches and I think about that decision, you know, just just in where right where you are going, what can I do? And, you know, if he hadn't been in prison and written those letters, we wouldn't have half the New Testament, which is right. just extraordinary to think to talk about serving to advance the gospel. Well, and and I mean to think, yeah, I think I'll go to I think 
being in prison is a good thing. So I'll write yeah. those letters and, you know, it's right. like <laughs> there's, right. there's an amount of trust that happens in the transaction there. We right. Our friend Joan, who is a part of uh, the Listen to My Life and One Life Mass family, she's our director of facilitator development. She had been practicing the examine or what we would call in the materials reviewing my days for quite some time. And she said that practice saved her life mm. um, because of the fact when her son was diagnosed with leukemia, mm. her first response was, of course, it wasn't like, okay, God, <laughs> you know, of course she was going to pray that that wasn't the case or she that he would be healed, of course. Mm. But it was kind of like this ultimatum, more or less, okay, God, if this is what is, you better use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. right. And as she wrote her nightly uh, caring bridge report to family and friends, um, she, it was like she was on a God hunt. She was she was recounting how she saw God show up every day. Mm-hmm. And um, that story didn't turn out how we hoped and Will did pass away. But yet God is still using that story. In, in some very interesting ways. Now, does she wish she had her son back? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yet that that first initial thought of God, you better use it. That's that's pretty big. Yeah. Right. <laughs> say that. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the skills, the specific four skills of reframing. The four lenses. Yes. Well, um, the first section of the book is called the big view, which is really where all of this starts. It's when you are looking at your present situation, your circumstances, and it's I illustrate it like it's like you're looking at a microscope, and all of a sudden you pull back your eyes and you see the bigger view of what's happening. So, for example, if you are a mom. And you spend most of your days changing diapers and nursing and, you know, all of these tasks that nobody even sees you doing, but it's consuming every minute of your time and all of your energy. And it would be very easy to just feel like your life is very small at that moment, but to pull back and imagine what is happening in this little child's life that literally will touch everybody that this child ends up growing up to know from the spouse to the children to, you know, I mean, it's just amazing the power that the way we were raised, how that affects so much of how we respond to the world. And so when you think about that, that ministry of just, it might feel small right now, but it is huge. And, um, and you can do that in almost every situation, whether it's at a job that might feel small, but every single person that you touch along the way, or imagining yourself, even when you go to the grocery store, who you might have an encounter with and what might happen from that encounter because of what's going on in that person's life, or a conversation you might have that might change something you do because of something you hear just to have that sense of openness that there's always more happening around us than we can see right in front of us. And so that's, that's the big view. Um, and I give several uh, illustrations of that. 
um, depending on, I mean, really the, the illustration you just gave of that woman saying, I wonder how God is going to use this. That is the big view question. Um, it's not discounting the pain and what is happening with the situation, but to be able to say, this might be used for something bigger than I can see, just like Paul in jail, mm-hmm. you know, writing those letters, having no idea that there was going to be a Bible someday and that his letters are going to be half the New Testament and people all over the world for centuries to come are going to be impacted by these words that I'm writing to a little church out there. I think that assuming that God can use my small actions yes. in some larger way yes. Is, yes. is part of the deal here. Yes. It's, it's, it's kind of the bedrock of faith that, okay, the what and how I do what I do matters. That's right. And also that you are, you are in a bigger story right now. Um, what you are doing right now may not be the whole story. You may be in the middle of the story and this conversation or this no, or this disappointment or this, uh, whatever it is, could turn out to be something amazing in your life. Um, One of the reasons I love that question of how much good can I do today? Yes. Yes. And, and and, question. And and you think your experience is going to be different in your day. If you ask the question, can I endure this versus how much good can I do today? That's right. That's exactly right. That's right. And so then moving from there, then the, the present view is then coming back to the present, which is really, I always say that's where God is. That's the illustration I shared at the very beginning. When you just take a moment to notice all of the ways that God is working in your life right now um, and, and noticing that he is always in the now, that uh, it's, it's hard to live off an experience that happened years ago over and over and over again. God wants to be with us in the now and I always say he's a lot more like a GPS than a map. You know, we, we sometimes want the map, but he's just going to show us just enough because he wants to be the, the God who is with us, Emmanuel. He is with us. He is our guide. He is the one wanting to work with us in the present. He's outside of time. So he's always the great I am, like he introduced himself to Moses, which I love, um, and I, you know, when you're reading in Exodus three, it, it looks like God is speaking in the wrong tense because Moses wants some assurance. And when he gets to Pharaoh of who, you know, what, who am I going to say is telling, telling Pharaoh to let his people go. And he says, tell him I am sent you. It almost sounds like the wrong tense, but I think that we want that kind of information all the time. Well, give me a sign. Um, are you sure I'm supposed to go here? And he just gives us enough to take that step of faith because it's going to have to be our step of faith. And God will be there when it happens. But I can't tell you how many times, Sharon, that I've wanted more assurance before I did something that came right when I did it. I mean, one example is just being as a speaker. I, um, I had a great fear of speaking and I would want that I want my, I would want my fear to be taken away before I stepped out on the stage, but that's just not how God works all the time. Sometimes we just gather up our fear and know that God is going to do it. And we step out and it's um, exhilarating when he does just meet us. And I think another aspect of the present view is to, I always say this, that sometimes we're so focused on something we want to see happen that we're missing what actually is happening. 
around us. So we're, we're, it, it, if you can picture yourself just staring at one door and it's not opening and there's other doors behind you to the side that are opening that sometimes you need to look at because ironically, that door might lead to another door that leads to another door that might actually lead to the door you're focused on, but it's a different route that God is taking you. And so that's why it's so important to be in the moment and to ask God to show you things right in the moment. Um, I think about this when I had an engagement breakup when I was in my uh, 40s and I was engaged for a year and a half and my fiance was deployed. And then when he came home um, after, you know, we had bought furniture and I had my wedding dress and showers and the whole nine yards, his ex-wife had second thoughts and had written him. And so unbeknownst to me. And so when he came home, we broke up and they remarried, which I always say is a great story when you're not the girl engaged to the guy. But interestingly, four months later, I got this random call from this pastor in Santa Barbara. And I was living in Orange County and uh, finding it hard to get out of bed, to be honest with you, because it was such a hard time in my life because I thought I was going one way and then it just, the wall crashed in and I was happy for their reconciliation. But as you can imagine, I was like, Lord, are you kidding me? What, what are you doing? And this guy was like, Lori Pulich, which is of course my maiden name. He said, you know, um, I heard you got married and I was like, Nope. And he goes, well, that's not actually why I'm calling. Um, we were praying about this new position at this church up here that I planted and your name came up and I don't know if you're open or, and I'll tell you, Sharon, I was not looking for a job, but I thought this timing is too weird. Um, I just, I need to go up there and explore it. So I came up here and I mean, I think back to that decision. Had I not gone through that door that I wasn't looking for, I never would have met my husband. And I did end up marrying at 49 and he was up here in Santa Barbara. And so all of these things that were behind a different door that if we're not paying attention, sometimes we can miss. So that's why it's so important to be in the present. Right. To, to keep asking the question, what might God be up to here? That's right. That's right. And what am I not seeing? What and what do I need to be open to that I'm I'm not even thinking about right now? Because it might be that God has something totally different than we think. Um, in fact, often <laughs> I found in my own life. And then the third, so the third, the more you look back and go, wow, that was so different than I thought. Um, and then, three. yeah, that's right. That's a good lead in. And lens three is the rear view, which, um, you know, I think some people initially say, well, I don't want to look back. I mean, I want to look ahead. And I think, um, looking back informs what's ahead in so many different ways. And the two angles I bring up in the book is number one, to look back into your, um, your own family of origin, your childhood, things that have happened that, that are impacting you that you don't even realize there's in your subconscious that you picked up and, um, and to be able to see where some of that came from helps you so much in, in making changes that need to be changed in your life so that you don't um, carry it through to the next generation, which is so often the case, what happens, especially with dysfunction. And so I think that's one area. And then of course, spiritually, it's looking back to see 
all of the things God has done and the way he's worked. I think that in particular, not just looking back and saying, wow, he did this and that, and that's important, but also, gosh, you know, he didn't do this or he did this differently than I thought, or he, he, he did not open a door that I was begging him to open. And now I see what he did with that. Or even with pain and suffering that has come into our life, how God has used that. And so there are so many different ways that we get empowered by looking back. And then when we don't see what God is doing in the present, or we don't know, he's not doing what we want him to do, or he's not telling us something, we can hold on because we know looking back how faithful he is and it, so. is, it is a faith builder and faith in fact um at one point in time we did a retreat with our facilitators of listen to my life and we we gave them vellum sheets to put over the top of their of their my life story maps hmm. and we said okay we started with um kind of doing a, a lexio divina of of great is thy faithfulness the song and um, and the scriptures that go along with it and all, and then sent people off into solitude to consider that and to map out the overlay of, of God's faithfulness in their life. And so many times people said, oh my goodness, if this wouldn't have happened, it was so painful. These things of God's provision um, and turns in my life that I'm so grateful for would never have happened. Just like what your story is well, um, that, that you were saying. And, and to be able to recount that is just a faith builder because then we can hold in suspension more or less the times when, when we're in those real big times of uncertainty that we can still have hope. That's right. Exactly. And, you know, just with what you were saying, I, I was thinking about, um, the guy that I was engaged to for so long, he had uh, two kids and one was a daughter who was eight, who I was very close to. And so that was a heartbreak for me because obviously that relationship ended as well. But, you know, after I married five years later, I, I was given the gift of becoming a stepmom to a six-year-old boy and his mom moved to Australia. So I got an opportunity to really be his mom he's now 16 and we have a very special relationship. Um, but now I look back on, on this little girl and I think how much she prepared me for being a step parent. And I could see her role in my life instead of it being a tragedy as, wow, she made space in my heart for the boy who would one day take her place. And those are the beautiful things that only happen through time and reflection um, over all the things that God is doing when we don't know what he's doing. So um, I think the rear view is so important. And, you know, throughout the Old Testament, God, the word that just keeps coming up again and again is remember, remember, remember. God is always trying to get his people to remember what he has done. And they used to build these little stone altars and they were just piles of stones. But when other Israelites would go through the place and they'd see a pile of stone, I know I've even been to Israel and some of that is still there where you, where you are able to say, God was in this place, this happened here. And I think sometimes we need to find our stone altars, whatever they are, whether they're our journals or our poems or our songs or our reflections that help us return to that to say, God did this. And I remember when that happened and that empowers us 
when we don't when we don't see what he's doing. I have some friends who have built little the Ebenezer or Karens, um, and they they have collected these stones on different trips that they've been on, and they actually have them by their doorposts wow. inside the house. Wow! And there are a bunch of them, and they've actually written on one of the stones in the stack what that one is about. Wow. What, what, what the faithfulness is. I thought, oh my goodness, how amazing is that? And, and you know, when you're hiking, those Karens are, um, you see them on the path and they mark the path. That's right. That's and, right. And, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to say, okay, I'm going to let the faithfulness of God in my past be a marker on my path forward. That's right. I just, That's- I was just so struck by, by their decision to do that. I don't know where they came up with that, but I was hmm. just so beautifully intrigued. So Absolutely. let's turn the corner to lens four, the higher view. So yes. tell us a little bit about what we're talking about. I mean, sometimes when I'm doing coaching, I, um, I realize that there's, that there's a real spatial relationship to people's uh, things that they say in terms of well, it feels like, and they'll come up with some kind of a metaphor. And if they do, I might ask them to, to put themselves in the middle of that metaphor and look around and then actually move themselves around in that. There's all hmm. kinds of interesting information in the midst of it, it seems. But then the last movement I asked them to do is to take, to take themselves almost like they were in a drone and be able to lift themselves up to see the higher view yeah. of that. Yeah. And that's usually where where some very interesting things happen, where where they can start to imagine and see what God might be up to. So tell us a little bit about the higher view. Well, I believe that the higher view is really uh, connected to our spiritual life in that it's, it's believing that we're here for not just ourselves and believing that our life is part of a bigger story that has gone on before us and will continue after us. And we have been written into that story and God has given us a part. And there's, there's parts of that, that we get to choose all the time, how we respond to things and the choices that we make. But there is a lot that we didn't get to choose. Um, The time that we were born in the world, uh, who we were born to, the place we were born, the color of our skin, the economic situation we were born into. Um, And then there are choices that other people make in our lives that affect us. And I think that, you know, a lot of that can, can cause us to respond one way or another, Um, either just complaining and wishing things were different. And boy, we have a culture now with social media that just feeds that um, where we're just constantly on a diet of seeing other people's lives. And uh, I don't know that that's always been good because I think we, uh, where it's wonderful that we get to keep in touch and see what other people are doing, it takes the focus off of the one and only life that God has given you to live. And so this particular section of the book just invites you to look at everything in your life and how God may be using it or want to use it um, from your pain to the gifts that don't always feel like gifts. In fact, a lot of the best gifts do not feel like gifts at all when we first get them. Um, circumstances or things that happen to us that 
uh, do not feel like a gift. And yet later we look back and go, wow, that was such a gift. Um, and to notice those things. And then also um, thinking about your pain differently instead of just wanting to get through it, like you were saying, endure it and, and saying, um, what, how, how might God want to use this in other people's lives? Because, you know, when you go through something that's painful, the person that you want to talk to is someone who has been through it too, that same pain. Um, I mean, that's the beauty of Alcoholics Anonymous. All the anonymous groups is that gr groups of people who have had a similar struggle come together and you, you need that encouragement. And so in a very real way, your wounds become the very connecting point that you have with other people. That becomes your ministry a lot of times. I know that um, women who really didn't want to be single <laughs> necessarily for as long as they were or just um, had, to, had to endure life solo for a long time, they will probably come to me quicker than they would go to someone who was married in their 20s. Um, or even 30s, because, you know, I didn't marry till I was 49. And so I lived a great deal of my life single and went through a lot of broken relationships. So those are the those are my connecting points. And now as a step parent, um, that's my next project, actually, as I'm thinking about connecting with all of those people that have gotten into um, situations, family situations that have really come from their, their originator was brokenness, but now they're making something beautiful um, and they're coming in to be a band-aid or a helper or a minister in a situation that is huge in children's lives. And so the way you respond as a step-parent um, in seeing your role for whatever it can be, however God's going to use it. So there's so many different angles to this. And, um, and then of course, just opening your eyes to the need around you. My goodness, we don't have to look any further than this weekend, as far as um, what happened with the, the victims and the shooting. I mean, there's just so much happening, so much pain happening all the time. And that really is in our country. I mean, you just start looking worldwide at, um, at, at the wealth distribution and uh, what we have, we we think, you know, I live in Santa Barbara, so it's easy for me to say because I'm just a renter with my husband, I rent. And we can all the time go, gosh, we just, we don't have very much because we rent and look at our friends that have own homes and this and that and the other thing. And I mean, you know, then you, then you go, but remember when we went to Haiti last year, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden your whole perspective changes based on who you're around. So it's seeing need differently and what you can do to meet that need. And, um, and, and then the very last chapter I love, I always, when I write a book, I think about the first chapter and the last chapter is, as weighing so heavily, what do I want to leave people live with? And I think the last chapter really invites you. It's an invitation to look at your life and everything about it and, and then finish the book yourself because from here on out, it's going to be about what you do with what you've been given. So that really is the God view, the higher view. That's a nice overview. Thank you so much for doing that. So, you know, um, Lori, I'd love for you to be able to tell our listeners um, a little bit more about how they can get in touch with you. Um, let's start with that. And then I'll ask you a few more things. Absolutely. I have a website 
That's laurieshort.com, L-A-U-R-I-E-S-H-O-R-T.com. And you can find out a lot more about my ministry and um, even see speaking clips. I've, I've worked on staff at um, four different churches, but uh, now am speaking and writing full time. And so I'm available to speak and um, and as well, just working on different writing projects, even since when changing nothing changes everything. But um, I do believe that my ministry really is around this idea of helping people see things about their faith that they don't usually see, or they don't, they're not usually looking at it from that angle. And I'm very interested in that in no matter what I'm writing about. So, um, I'd be, I'd love them to check out my website as well as, uh, several other books that I've written. Yeah. So one of them intriguingly is called finding faith in the dark and another 40 verses to ignite your faith, surprising insights on unexpected packet uh, passages. And it sounds like that might be the most recent one. Yes, that's the one that just came out three months ago. And what I did with that book, it's, it's a devotional. So it's a great tool to do with just what you're saying with the map, life map, because it asks a lot of reflection questions and takes you to places in scripture that we often overlook or skip. It's not the typical verses, the ones we post on social media or have up on our walls, they're the ones that we don't often see that I think can give us great insight into our faith and encouragement as well. You want to say a few words about the She Grows Conference? Yes. And so I have uh, started this conference with a girl that actually, I shouldn't say girl, a young woman who saw me speak a long time ago. And we've had a little bit of a mentoring relationship She's now become a speaker and she and her husband have planted a church in Florida. And then we have another gal who's um, 10 years younger than her. So there's three of us that represent three different generations. And what the concept of the kinds of one, one night event, three hours, and it just encourages women to get involved in cross-generational mentoring relationships, seeing the value of being in a relationship with someone older as well as someone younger, um, so that you see yourself as part of a chain that's been going on a long time and will continue after. And how those mentoring relationships, I know when I look back, there have been women that literally have changed my life because um, they mentored me. And they helped me see in myself what I couldn't see and encouraged me spiritually. And so uh, we we're trying to, to promote this movement, really. And so you're welcome to visit the website, shegrowsconference.com. And uh, we're going to be adding more things as we continue on with this movement. Um, but we have a couple conferences scheduled this fall. We did nine last year. And, um, and so it's been fun to see God use that. Oh, thanks for sharing that. It sounds like it's right up the alley of um, some of our people who have done Lesson to My Life and uh, in in some t- point and maybe even used it in mentoring relationships before. So um, I want to thank everybody for listening in today. If you have any comments, we'd love to have you leave comments, um, rate, review, share. Um, this podcast. And also, if you'd like to uh, get weekly devotionals as a thank you gift for supporting the podcast, go to patreon.com slash one life maps. So we would love to have you join that, uh, join our support team in that particular way. Um, let's see, I think 
we're probably about done. We're wrapping it up. So Lori, thank you so much for the time and the effort it took to actually write this book, which I don't underestimate human uh, how much effort it takes. <laughs> That's not, yeah. Writing a book is a lot harder than it seems. <laughs> You're right. And I um, and I so appreciate the fact that mm-hmm. uh, that you took the time to be with us today. So mm-hmm. any words, any final words of wisdom uh, for our listeners? Well, I, I think if you're listening into this podcast and, and listening to your life, you're on a great track. And I hope that this resource will add maybe something new to that repertoire and that you're able to maybe see some things that you haven't seen before. And especially that maybe you can see more of God um, by looking through one of these angles. So I really hope it's been helpful to you. Very good. And so once again, this has been Lori Short with us with the book, When Changing Nothing Changes Everything, The Power of Reframing Your Life from InterVarsity Press. Many blessings and thanks again. Thank you, Sharon. Have you thought, I don't know myself anymore? Have you wondered, is there something more? Are you at a crossroads in life and asking, which way will lead me toward expressing more of who I am made to be? Are you looking for a way to understand the restlessness you feel inside? Are you seeking a deeper spiritual life and desire to rediscover who you are through God's eyes? You're ready for the life mapping experience of Listen to My Life. Go to onelifemaps.com to purchase your portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's onelifemaps.com. O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S.com.